0: Hello, I'm Giles Alderson and welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very humble opinion. Joining me today are Staten Cousins Rowe and Poppy Rowe, the team behind This Way Out, a hilarious, multi-award-winning short film. This Way Out, directed by Stan, is a pitch-black comedy following the oddball owner of a struggling euthanasia centre played by Poppy, and her desperate attempts to keep it from closing. The film was long-listed for a BAFTA and screened at over 30 international film festivals. It is currently screening on HBO, The Sundance Channel and Short Shorts Japan. They've also just finished principal photography on the feature film Self-Help: A Serial Killer's Guide to Life by raising the money on Indiegogo. Both Staten and Poppy produced the film with Staten writing and directing and Poppy also starring in the film Hello and Welcome. Hello, Joe. Hello, hello. How you doing? You all right? Yeah, good. Good? good. The topic today is how to get your short film onto HBO but let's talk about these figures first
1: do you have this many Star <laughs> Wars figures because
0: I no. did have a look at them earlier and there's like a <laughs> load of Star Wars figures there's a
1: lot there isn't there? We, we found three huge bins full of Star Wars original 1980s or whatever um, Star Wars stuff
2: don't say like whatever like you don't know exactly yeah. where they were from bins <laughs> I like <laughs> you when you say exactly. bins yeah. as if they
1: were just out of yeah. that. Yeah, just <laughs> up in the loft just like tons of it probably worth more than the, this loft <laughs>
0: our next film right there i've just managed to have a little watch of some of the um feature film and you've put some of the figures in front of the screen now this is a technique you told me about tell us why you do this and what actually they can see what can they see
1: well they're not real people giles so they can't actually see anything but
0: i meant the people (laughs) listening what can they see (laughs) i see
1: see. um so we've got our our edit suite just just to the left of us where we are in in the loft here and there's a screen and what Charles was talking about is like Chewbacca, Han Solo, and another uh, unnamed droid or something <laughs> from Star Wars
0: <laughs> stood in front. of... I don't of, think it's unnamed. I'm sure. Yeah,
1: I've, it definitely has a name. Medical droid. We'll call it that. Um, uh, it insulted. Looking many at Star Wars our fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, small thing. Apparently, that one was sold in its bubble wrap uh, or in its in its card and everything. For uh, $12,000 or pounds or something. That uh, one, the one you don't know the name of. Um, Yeah, my one's missing some parts. So I think it's probably more like £12. Damn you, five-year-old self. (laughs) Um, So they're they're, they're watching the screen. And basically, it was a little thing we saw in um, Walter Murch's Link of an Eye book on editing, that if you cut out an audience figure out of paper and put them alongside your screen, it gives you the scale as if your screen, um, the monitor you're editing on was a cinema screen. And so you start to then be able to imagine um, scale-wise that actually what you're working on is, is is a cinema screen, the size. So you start to see the, the scale of movements and things and the speed of cuts, and it um, allows you to, with a bit of imagination, see if what you're doing is going to work on a cinema
0: screen versus a small monitor um so I yeah like that's it. why they're there I like it a lot I mean it, to, to be honest if I was that small and I was looking at a cinema screen that big I'd be gutted I was in the front row because yeah
1: they're a wee bit close aren't they that yeah. is some serious neck they're
0: problems
2: like yeah
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: makes you think though
0: it does make you think all right let's let's talk a little bit about you guys really quickly so why filmmaking why did you two go into filmmaking in the first place well, I think
1: it for me, it began like when I was a child. So I used to make, um, in that age, a way of becoming a director, like um, films with my dad's camcorder when I was like 10 years old. And so I think it sort of always felt like that was something that I was probably going to do at some point in some way. So it feels like I didn't really sort of ever choose to do it. It was just like, it made sense, I suppose. Can we see any of these? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, can
2: we? Yeah. Like-
1: I remember, I, well, I'd, I'd make films like as ripoffs of, of actual of, course, sort of James Bond or yeah. whatever. And then, um, and uh, I do remember getting a friend of mine to do two things. One, climb a tree. And then I managed to find my father had a blank firing, ball, well, the PPK for some reason in the house. So I got that and then wow. did a, a POV shot with the gun in the camera up at my friend in the, in, in the tree and then shot him. And I put a mattress just out of shot. I was probably about 10 or 11. Uh, and then he would have to fall on the mattress, which was way too thin for the size of the drop. But I knew if I just had to get him to do it once. So. And another time when he was running out of the door, he dropped a glass and it smashed and it cut his hand. When he stopped, it was like,
0: just keep going use it you knew back then already how to direct you knew where to put the I, camera and to keep going I,
1: I was psychologically disturbed as a child no that's the friendly. other excuse
0: yeah yeah do you know his name you don't even know his name i do, <laughs> his name. I do
1: know his name yeah i do i
0: remember his name is he, is he um, an actor is he a famous no actor?
1: no he's 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 done very well as a partner in a, a very uh i won't say the name i'm big uh accounting international accounting firm and and uh, yeah Good for him, good for him, yeah, he was like I'm not fucking doing filmmaking <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you poppy
2: um i I came into filmmaking as a, a more from an acting perspective, having been an actor for ten years or so and played differing roles, I was keen to play something different that that I realized um I wasn't going to unless someone wrote it i.e. Uh, i e. And, and so, and so, and I'm just something different for for a woman, it's hard to play. So there are very few roles that are like, for example, in This Way Out, a uh, psychopathic business owner, and you don't get to play those roles very often. And I really wanted to, and so said, let's do it ourselves. And I wanted to support Statton doing it. And then through that, and then through, you know, producing a couple of other shorts, then realized I really enjoyed the whole filmmaking process and to, respected that, uh, you know, behind the scenes side of things more and more which is what's led to now me sitting in loft editing a picture and <laughs> I, I
1: think you like with us working together lots the the more we have they are partners as well the more we work together the more you build up that team then you know it's like I've, you build up a very quick shorthand in being able to speak or about an idea or, or concept or whatever
2: yeah I think it's it's useful that we're both obsessed with it so we have a kind of shorthand now, which we realise is actually quite um, unique and, and very useful. Business. Well,
0: absolutely. And to be clear, to let everyone know, the guys are now both editing the film and this is the feature film that they've just made. We're going to come back to that. Let's talk about the short film. For a little bit. This is what sort of progressed everything, I suppose. And I was very fortunate to be involved uh, as a... Very much involved. ...co-producer on the film as well. So that was lovely. So were you surprised by the success of it? Because it has done so well. Played at all those festivals, won many awards and done really well. Were you surprised by the success? It was
2: our first short so we didn't know what the response was going to be and also when you've made a a short about euthanasia and and a comedy short about euthanasia you know you're taking a risk we weren't sure whether people would find it funny or hate us so we were pleasantly surprised I would say I was pleasantly surprised that um people embraced it and uh And really loved it.
1: I think the fact of making something, because we made that film in our own apartment and we had the idea in the apartment and wrote it in there. So you got this amazing thing of making something very much in your, even in your own home. And then it going out into the wider world and then screening in Europe on, on the Sundance Channel. So it's it's quite a thrilling thing from that point of view, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So how did you raise the money?
0: What was your first process with all that? With This Way Out,
1: we decided we'd, well, two things. One, that we'd put a bit of money in ourselves mm-hmm. that we would save up, which we did.
2: When I say this, we're so naive at the time. We were like... Um, we did a, a site called sponsor me which no longer is Spons- the, as it's Spons- called Sponsumi. Sp- oh, right. me um, Spons-
1: it was great it was a great site <laughs> really great site it was um like a, and it covered europe and, and the uk it was a uk-based site unfortunately it's uh, they've either gone out of business now or, or sold it and it's been rebranded as as maybe one uh, under the um it's one like one the kickstarter and but it was essentially it was like kickstarter yeah so so we decided to give that a go which we did, and then raised um, yeah, raised a portion of, of the money through that. Which was really good. When did, yeah. I,
0: when did I come on board? I can't remember if it was during that time or before now.
1: yeah, I think it was after we'd done the no, first tranche. Said, Once you've got
0: the money, yeah. then I say, yeah, then I'll come on board. Yeah, Giles is yeah then it's you can. Kind of like, jail. Yeah, but Sorry, then we so.
1: did another um, smaller sort of tranche of, of sponsoring me after the film for helping with some of the festival entrance fees. Mm.
0: Yeah, Can people see the film now?
1: So it's on Fandor. I believe you can get through Amazon Prime or direct. Fandor is, uh, if you Google it, if you don't know about it, it's a great Streaming site. Streaming service. Streaming yeah. service, yeah. Um, so it's on there. And then also it's coming onto Amazon Prime soon. I'm not quite sure when. I believe it may, have, may be about to happen, but I know it's, co- it's being put on there as well. So you'll be able to watch it on Amazon Prime very soon. And you can actually watch it if you go to either This Way Out movie com You can see the trailer, and also you can click through to a site where you can download it. I think it's a pound on there. Bargain. It may be two pounds now.
0: Oh, it's just gone um, doubled. doubled.
1: That is the problem with Brexit.
0: <laughs> right there, <laughs> right there, everyone. Uh. So I'd say go see that film right now. Literally, stop this. Go, go seventeen watch it. minutes long, and then come back because when I was going to talk about it even more i'll put all the links in the descriptions as well so you'll be able to see that
1: what we could do is we could do a a window for a few days we'll we'll make it a free download for anyone listening to this so they can go on to thiswayoutmovie.com click through on the the trailer image it will take you to gum road where you can download it for free and we'll make that. So uh, it's just for three or four days, we'll tell Giles, so he can put it on, on here.
0: Perfect. That'll be amazing. All right, cool. So there you go. Uh, I'll put all this in the show notes so you'll be able to see. And you can go watch that film for free for a few days. If you're listening to this podcast too late, then all right, you have to pay for it. You shouldn't have been so slow. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. All right, so let's talk about the film itself. Let's talk about This Way Out. Um, tell us a little bit about it in your words. Um, obviously, I described it, but I just stole that from the website. So I like the way you described it. I thought it was good. Thank you. Should we just go with that? Um, I... Poppy will be good at this.
2: What a setup.
0: Yeah, that was a setup.
2: So This Way Out is a jet black comedy um, set at a euthanasia centre run by um, Oddball's Minnie and her terrible assistant Maud. And they have 10 days to uh, raise clients before their business is closed down. So they go out finding people who want to die.
0: Which is fantastic. And I've mm. always loved the story of that because it's just, it's quite dark as hell, really. Isn't it, it is. It's people going out to find people who want to mm. die. Yeah. Right. yeah. It's this short is fantastic. It's really worth the watch. It really deserves all the accolades it got. It really is good. I'm not saying that because I worked on it. I'm saying that because it's a brilliant short and the guys do deserve so much respect for what they did with it. Um, and Poppy's brilliant in it as well, which really helps.
2: Oh, thank you, Giles.
0: That's a pleasure. It's a pound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you can have a free download. Yeah,
2: thank you. Yeah, he made it.
1: okay um and i think just to add before we move i what was interesting about um that film because that's the that's the setup of it but um it's really a, a satire on where we're at sort of from a society point of view in terms of being target driven everything you do now is target driven every job has targets everything and what it does is it takes the the personal the human side out of thinking whether you should do something or not It makes it totally inward facing about what you need to get from that person. And it's the irony as well that that's what we have in health services as well, that doctors have targets. That doesn't mean they're thinking, they're not allowed to think fully about the patient. They have to think about what targets they need to reach. And so this was imagining that in a few years time, um, well, euthanasia would be legalized and, and what that would be like having targets driving it and also what it was like perhaps um, if you went back in time and were in the 70s or something and looked at now um, how absurd it would seem from the viewpoint of back then of how our health system and how our society is driven by targets how frightening and crazy and dark that would seem and so that's where the the basis of the film kind of came from
0: it's your first short you directed right that's right yeah i mean i know it was a while ago but talk us through what you felt at the time what the issues were what things you'd have done differently just give us an overall feeling of w- what happened i remember we
1: were very hands-on uh poppy and myself and and uh, with with you too um once we brought you on board um about you know planning everything very um, thoroughly ourselves to iron out any of those little bumps that you can get when the tasks are handed on to other people and, and perhaps they don't fulfill them with quite the same rigor as, as you might do. So we, we made sure that everything was, was was done in that way. Other than a very last minute change from, um, from a director of photography point of view, it was a very intense experience, but it was also a very um, really a very smooth experience as well.
2: It was really positive I only have really positive memories. I mean, it was kind of, I think we slept, you know, two hours each night. It was a four day shoot and we were kind of doing everything we possibly could. Um, I was, I think, cooking for the crew in the night and then getting up in the morning going into make up it was because of the budget we and it was in our apartment as we said we took everything out put it in the loft and then um got set designer a couple of set designers to come in and and totally transform our entire flat so we lived in a euthanasia clinic for for about a week beforehand
1: yeah actually wonderfully it was a great story our neighbor uh, at the place told us about they, they saw we there was a sign outside that said um a um, euthanasia center outside of the flat and, and someone had left it up overnight. And apparently a, a, an old lady walked past, saw it, stopped, shook her head in disappointment at where this world has come to, and then carried on walking again. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's amazing. Great. Kind of epitomizes the whole shoot. That was really great. does.
0: Yeah, and no, I only have really good memories from it as well. I, I remember just, we all just got stuck in massively. And yeah. Everyone sort of traveled down to your house that we'd just taken over. And we all just got stuck in and got on with it and made Everyone a really did. good shot. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's the way to do it. And um, and
1: you know we say it was all in our apartment. The, the fourth day, you remember? Well, we we then all travelled down in convoy um, from London down to the south coast to Seaford, and near to a place called Beachy Head. These big cliffs for uh, one of the big main sort of scenes in the middle of the film uh, with these beautiful landscapes. And so it was it was quite a good way to end the film. I think to go out of the confines of for the three days we were shooting and then go out to these big landscapes um and that made a big visual impact on the film as well and you edited it yourself what we did was we we did the first rough cut of that film ourselves and then we used that to bring on board a wonderful editor called esther Gimenez and then i worked with her for a period of time then so she then did the the cut
0: but you learned to edit when you were sort of in that that process yeah
1: yeah. we actually when the film finished we decided it, it it would make sense to get stuck in ourselves, so we, we both learned to edit with that, didn't we? Mm. Um, and that was a great learning curve as well. I'm really glad we did that and we felt that it would it would be easier to bring people on for obviously for for no money because we it was a a low budget short uh, including production houses if we had something we could show them then when we had a sales agent come on board after they'd seen it screen at the palm springs um short film festival in america they said actually the running time then was 19 and a half minutes and they said they loved it but it was just two minutes too long for them to be able to sell so i then did well myself and you then did a um a final cut uh, which took it down to 17 and a half minutes um, so that they could go ahead and, and sell
0: it for television and things. Let's talk about HBO uh, and Sundance because not many mm. people get their shorts onto HBO and Sundance and the Short Shorts in Japan as well. How did that come about? How did it happen? It was all through our, our wonderful sales
1: agents, uh, Irish Network Television. They take the film to film markets and had their um through, uh, HBO Europe and, and Sundance Channel in, in Europe and then Short Shorts Japan and, uh, and actually a whole... Raft of other countries and things where the film's been bought and screened and is screening
2: which was fantastic wasn't it because we didn't know how whether the comedy would translate it's very kind of british deadpan uh humor and the uh, a lot of the american um festivals uh, really embraced that and really loved that which which we weren't sure what they were that they did
1: yeah I think what we and there's a there's quite a lot of the uh, visual comedy in the film, mm. and I think that translates really well because there's no words to that helped mm. that transition yeah, yeah. to to a lot of different countries
0: mm. and, and obviously it felt great when you suddenly got the email the call saying right hbo want it i mean that's yeah. a big step was a
2: big moment actually
1: yeah it's kind of because because you know that's what the, the guys do in terms of selling the film and, and things it's um just kind of drop you an email you know it's good news um so these people are been to this market and these people are um uh licensing it or buying it um for this many years and there's hbo and so much channel amc or whatever and and you're like you're sort of like you you know in those moments if you look back and thought ahead you you'd think there was sort of some fanfare or something like that um but it's just like oh great that's that's happening now um <laughs> which is really cool. It's sort of almost, it takes a little while to sink in and, and then go, yeah, that's, we, that's, where's who's, who liked the film and, and things. And I think in, in reality, there is a difference as well between a short film and a feature film, for instance, being picked up by those channels. Um, I think it's, it's a, not to, to diminish the achievement. It's, you know, people, when you start, start when we started out making a short film, it was, um you know, no one buys short films or whatever. And, mm. and again, because we just went from step to step, we just had, you know, someone saw it, really liked it, approached us and said, we'd like to represent it for sales. And so I think there's, it, it's really important when you're making films um, and starting out making films to not be swayed with a viewpoint of this is hard or that can't be done or this can't be done. I think everything is possible. But the really important thing is to just focus on what needs to be done in order to make it good. And, and if you just get your head down and focus on those things and go step to step, um, doing that, you'll find out then when you take it to a festival if a sales agent approaches you or whatever. If you're focusing on that when you should be focusing on whether that beat in the script is right or whether you need to, re- to rewrite, then you're you, you're never going to be able to do it because you're you're putting your mind in the wrong place. You know, mm-hmm. you focus too much pressure
2: on yourself as well.
1: Yeah, and also that's not what filmmaking is about. About valid self validation isn't.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it it you, you can never make something. Has your own sort of personal truth to it If actually what you're looking for is a, a pat on the back or something
0: Just yeah.
2: proud of your material
0: Absolutely um, I remember us heading over to Colchester For the film festival we all drove across oh, With yeah. Katie Braben yeah. and her fella as well Katie was also stars in the film I remember that because you picked up Best Director Award there Yeah that was We special. did get excited about we that got didn't We got way excited
2: we were, we were the people in the room whooping yeah, the loudest screaming.
1: That was that was exciting. I think I said in my speech that I, I hadn't gotten an award since I was like man of the match when I was about fourteen at a local football club. <laughs> and that was that was because uh, yeah. it was
0: the first one, right? It was the first
2: was, one on the road. It was to, yeah. the many it's one, and it was yeah. best director, and we were just all really really happy about that. I yeah.
1: think. And those moments I think are really precious as well, aren't they? When you spend as long, you know, in a cutting room and all of that, and you can get to to go. And Colchester is a great film festival as well.
0: Would you recommend film festivals anyway? Because a lot of people, you know, we get into film festivals a lot with our short films and it costs a lot of money to travel to these places. And mm. is it something that, you know, you found beneficial?
1: Yeah, I think um, like you, you should, can't judge film festivals as a general term. It's each individual festival, whether that one has a value for you entering and being selected for. There's so many film festivals and it is really expensive. So you do need to have a festival strategy. And that word festival strategy sounds really a bit um, ominous and a bit uh, off-putting to start with because you're like, what the hell does that mean? Um, I don't know any festivals. And does that mean you know this person at that festival or whatever? And we didn't, all of our our festival entries were through um, the standard uh, without a box and film freeway. So you can get selected for these festivals. You don't have to know people at them. You know, again, there's a sort of myth sometimes I think that I hear of or well, you only get into this festival because you know this person or whatever, and at least for, for short films. But a film festival strategy is really important. And the, the simple way of doing that is you go online, you Google and there's Oscar. The Oscars have a list of what are Oscar qualifying for short films festivals. And you do the same with BAFTA and they have a, a very easy to obtain list. And then you put those together and you look through them and you decide which ones of those you want to spend the money on submitting to. Um And then that gives you a basis for, a, and then, other ones you know, any others that you yeah, you exactly. And you can then difference. add to that, but that's the simple way of putting together a, a film festival list because there are literally thousands out there. Mm. Um, so it's really important to be targeted.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and the BAFTA, the long list I say, the BAFTA, mm. the, the long list. Uh, <laughs>
2: well, we wish it was a BAFTA, but
0: <laughs> uh, as much as. I felt it was really close. I don't know why. I just feel that it was really close that we nearly got nominated, but it's still really nice to be longlisted. Right. I mean, that's great. Yeah. Again, um,
1: that, w- that was, that uh, was an exciting moment, wasn't it? Yeah. And again, it, what's interesting about that is, um, and I think it's really important for people to know, like you have to apply for that to be considered like you would a film festival. So you don't just sort of sit there and, you get an email and someone randomly has from BAFTA has found your film and watched it. You, you have to go online, you find the BAFTA qualifying times, and then you make sure you submit the film at the right time. As long as, and the way to qualify, you have to have back when, uh, when we did it, you had to have won an award at a certain festival or whatever to qualify. Um, But then you go into a, pot and then you go through several stages and then finally after being viewed a number of times etc cetera, etc cetera, um yeah then you get long listed or you don't and so when when we got the message to say we've been long listed that was um that was an exciting moment mm-hmm. um and then you go away and you then have to submit another different type of deliverable copy of the film for them then to project in a different way for mm. different set of people and, and then go through some, um, you know, that Got final didn't it? step, yeah. yeah. But you're right, I, I, for some reason I, I felt like it was close too.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. Let's
2: just say it was close.
1: And it, and it was close. So there's not a huge number that are long listed. You know, it's quite a small list. I think it deserved list. to be nominated
0: for a BAFTA, don't you think? Female-led, yeah, female-led comedy. I mean, the points, thing isn't. is well,
2: I mean, it's so subjective, isn't it? And and you know, a comedy as well. It's it's always it's going to be tricky to get certain awards. Well, that's just my personal opinion, but yeah, we should have got nominated.
1: Well, right, and again, I think that's important, isn't it? That you know, it would be lo- it would would have been exciting to be nominated for after. But um, also, like these awards are a, a certain level of of sort of outside validation. So ultimately you shouldn't really worry yeah. too much about it. We were happy. We yeah.
2: were happy by then. We Absolutely. were really happy.
0: So all those nice awards, um, being close, you know, after long listed. How did it change for you? Cause obviously you got on the Sky Mentorship Program. Mm. Tell us about that and, and how that progressed and what happened there.
2: That was a lovely thing to be part of. That was, um, run by Loco, the Loco Film Festival, um, which is a, a comedy film festival. And, um, They screened this way out at the BFI as part of their festival. Um, I say 2014 was it? Now I can't remember. Um, Might have been
1: fifteen. Fifteen,
2: yeah. And uh, and then yeah, and then as a team, both of us got on to the um, uh, to the mentorship, which meant um, we got to meet some really great people.
1: Get given some really good advice about sort of next steps, and because that's one of the things when you make. You know, you make a short film and and it goes out and and you win some awards and like with this way out, then there's a question of of what do you do next? Should you make another short film? But then you're like, you know, that you've kind of just gone and done quite a lot with that short film. So what's the right next step and all of that kind of thing? Yeah, we had
2: people who were top of their field, comedy commissioner at at Sky, and that was great. Just sitting down face to face and listening to our ideas and our material and you know telling us what happens in reality, you know not just you know what you'd like to happen but what you know the next stages and the next step of t v program making making um filmmaking um and ideas developing and uh and we' really gained some some great knowledge from that and you know good contacts that we we've we've kept today and friends in fact from that mentorship, so it was a really valuable thing to do
0: good all right, let's move on. To self-help, a serial killer's guide to life, which actually we've just discussed. Potentially, you might change the title of. It's yeah. a long one.
1: Well, I think we'll, what we were talking about was um, we'll be calling it a serial killer's guide to life, sort mm-hmm. of for now, because it's um...
2: self-help. A serial killer's guide to life is a long is a long title. I mean, we said it so many times now; it doesn't sound so long. No, I like I like it now. But a serial killer's guide to life is where we are
0: now with it. It's hard to fit on a tweet, you know. <laughs> And that's important. <laughs> it's that. So it's your first feature film together. Yeah. Tell us about the film itself first of all, because I've, I've talked about it a little bit, but tell us the story.
2: Okay, A Serial Killer's Guide to Life is based on the backdrop of the self-help world. You know those uh, books that tell you how to live your life more successfully, grow richer and thinner and better. You generally. That is a huge business, and um, that's kind of backdrop to our film. And we follow Lou Font, lives with her mum, stuck in a dead end job. Self-help addict who uh, comes across a self-help guru wannabe called Val Stone, who takes her on a road trip journey of violent
0: self-discovery.
1: Val Stone is borderline psychotic. That was a bit. Uh, like
0: that? It. And it was played by me. Thank oh, you. Right back yes. There. <laughs> <laughs> and Lou Fart is, so is
2: played the by the wonderful Katie Braben, uh, who happens to be a friend of mine who I went to drama school with and we did This Way Out together. So we already have a history. She and I took this journey together and uh, both co- co-leads in, in this uh,
0: dark comedy. What's really nice is that you've, you've brought on quite a lot of the team that were on This Way Out. And I think that's yeah. really nice that you've develop this sort of group and sort of said right let's stick with who we like and let's make the next one and try and bring them on if they're free yeah and absolutely that's really cool.
1: we really wanted to to do that it, to sort of have build this sort of film family as it were and and because of some of the location uh issues where we were filming down on the the south coast for this one there were some roles unfortunately we couldn't bring some people with us because of the budget constraints that we had but absolutely we tried to bring as as many people as we could
0: Right, let's talk about budget. You mentioned it there. Um, how did you raise the money for this? I say how. I know how we raised the money for this, but
2: so this was the main thing was Kickstarter. Fabulous Kickstarter. Um, the beginning of January, we did a 28-day campaign. Um, we did a video, uh, Katie and I, talking to camera, talking about the film, uh, talking about our previous work, This Way Out, and uh, talking about Stanton's work and um, the people we had involved so far. And um, we set up some pledges and... Um, or uh, rewards if you like and uh we kind of uh, pushed it for 28 solid days it was kind of our life for for 28 days and we raised just over 27,000 pounds um we put set our budget really low at 18,000 i don't know whether you know with kickstarter if you don't uh hit your target you don't get any of the money so we mm-hmm. were a bit nervous we set it quite low at 18,000 but we managed to smash that think
1: it's not low for some people Eighteen
2: thousand for a feature film i'm saying it's low obviously it is, low, it is <laughs> absurdly low for a feature film there um, wasn't
1: that wasn't the whole budget but um but yeah
2: it was our initial get that's true i should clarify it was our initial get started shooting budget our bare bones mm. budget to get us on set shooting um and so that's why we set 18 grand as our as our kind of Kickstarter, as you like. And, and then and we,
0: we reached that in the first five days. I mean, it was, was incredible. It five days, start, yeah. Wasn't it? It just literally from the off just went boom. straight, I, Yeah. Straight through.
2: I think the concept really spoke to people. I mean, it's a female led, uh, project. It really speaks to a lot of people. Um, it's, it's kind of very ironic and, uh, and, uh as a concept and dark comedy has a lot of fans and British and, uh, it, it, I think a lot of people really wanted, Want to see it and, and got really excited about it. So we were, we we didn't know what to expect with the campaign because we'd only done, you know, like a five grand, not even that, uh, before, you know, a few years ago. And, and, and so we just kind of put it out there and did a lot of research on on raising and tried to do as much as we can.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think it's important to say for if, the people that are thinking of doing one, mm-hmm. we did a lot of work previous to that, looking online. It's, it's amazing everything is literally online for you to read about how to do certain things to maximize your chance of Mm. having a a very successful Kickstarter campaign.
2: For example, we knew that if you raised 22% in the first day, 22 or 25% in the first day, that got you onto a certain level with Kickstarter, who then Kickstarter would start to um, advertise your project too. So you'd be on the front page. So you'd be on the front page. So it's
1: like you unlock this kind of algorithm, which then helps to then push you further. And there's a whole ton of things that we learned like that, which are really key. Which, to be honest, if you don't know them, you're going to really struggle to do very much other than yeah. that cursory family and friends thing. And and I think what's really important to say is that a lot of people think that with crowdfunding you're generally just going to get your family and friends. I think more than three quarters of our backers and money came from people we do not know from around the world who just loved the concept, came on board, and and because of that, we are great fans of theirs now, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
2: And it was very much gathering a kind of film group uh, of people that we that we have contact with today that that were very much involved in the filmmaking process they still are they can message us we've sent them updates we send them uh, stills behind the scenes footage they get all these um in information from us and we hope to continue that relationship with yeah,
1: them we, w- we want them to to experience the whole journey uh as if they were you know on our shoulders and with us, you know, cause the film is happening because of their support. So mm. we very much feel like again, like with the crew uh, wanting a film family that those backers are part of, of that family. And we, you know, there's almost 400 of them, but a, we pretty much
0: know all, all of their names. We're yeah, incredibly well, grateful. Well, what's great yeah. is they're part of the family now and it's it's all about they'll see what happens with this one and, I mean, whether you need to crowdfund again for the next film, mm. you've you've already built a fan base. Whether they invest or not is another thing, but you've built a fan base and you that's know, so important. And that's, that's mm. right. Even
1: if even if we weren't to crowdfund again for the next one, I still feel like we wanted to sort of take those guys on the journey with us in some yeah. way. Mm.
0: Did you always know you were going to crowdfund is that the only way you felt you could make this film I think um I think we again I mean
1: we also raised some private financing as well towards the towards the film but I think we knew the level of there was a level of autonomy that it would give us in crowdfunding that we felt was really important for our first feature film and it was interesting because I, I had meetings Uh, We both had meetings with bigger companies after This Way Out about what our first feature would be, the level of investment and things that may be or may not be available, etc. We looked into what other directors and film companies had done and found that a huge number of the the directors that we really liked their work, from the Coen brothers to Christopher Nolan, uh, Ben Wheatley, huge number of these directors. When you look back, you find that their first feature film was autonomous, that they... Found a way to raise that money and make it themselves, mm. and we we realised that that wasn't a surprise. But what we realised was a lot of those filmmakers have a very unique uh, voice, even in their films. Now you can you can tell it's a Christopher Nolan film, you can tell it's a Cameron mm. film, you can tell it's Ben Wheatley film. and I think that's because they were able to to make that first film in their voice, and then people were able to trust them to make the second and the third and mm. whatever. Mm with that same voice. And so that's what we felt we really wanted to do. And that I wanted to do from a directing point of view to be able to make that first film.
2: It was also a timing thing, wasn't it? Because we wanted to make this film now. We wanted to make it this year. We wanted to make it on a certain date. We wanted to get going with our first feature and, and not go through years of development. You know, we, we just,
1: really wanted to get a move on yeah i'd written the script it was there we knew that um there was a chance that katie uh may be doing a play in america and that would mean she was unavailable for for a long period of time and and so we were like that's our window let's do it and we really wanted to do our first feature film very much the way we'd done this way out to work with our team because again i think if you if you and i totally understand why if you if you make a first feature film with someone else's money they're naturally going to want you to perhaps work with certain team members or whatever and we wanted to work with our team from mm. this way out mm. and we and that worked out so well we wanted to make it with the same energy and, and in the same way so so that's why we we turned to to crowdfunding
0: that's a great way of doing it i think that you you not have anyone over your shoulder sort of saying do it this way do it like this um you know you could go well this is how i want to do it and that's the thing yeah. you can show the world and yeah. that's great
1: and that's that's not to say that we're anti
0: feedback or anti notes or anything like that
1: it it's good to have had that experience of doing that in that way and then um you know we'll be able to work with bigger companies and things um and be able to absorb their their feedback you know in the right way having done it so freely the first time round.
0: absolutely i think you're right to say that because they will see that you can do it on your own they know they'll trust you it wasn't someone else perhaps over your shoulder saying all the things that were all the good bits mm. you know that it's you. You did it all. You guys, and that's that's really cool. I think that's a good way of going about it. I think I think there's, as well. What was
1: interesting when we went out with the short um, to meet people after it had, had done the done the, all the festivals and the awards and things was um, we realised that there's been a change where a really solid short film that's won awards and things would have been a, a, a sort of a key to perhaps doing directing television or indeed your first feature film. And now more and more, it's not definitive, but more and more. Actually, it's your first feature film that has become that calling
0: card, if you like. Because mm. we've learned, you know, you've learned so much from doing both of these mm. films. Yeah, okay. and everyone—that's how people want to know how you do mm. Kickstarter, how you make a yeah. short film, how you get on the Sundance Channel. So that's great. You see, for me, I think it'd be really interesting for us to talk more about Serial Killer's Guide to Life mm. as the progression goes, as same as I talk about the Dare. And just keep revisiting it and talking to you about where we're going. And next time, perhaps I can talk about on set and what we both went through. All of us went through. All of us went through. Think, yeah. That's yeah. That's a Two great week idea. shoot. It's crazy to do it in that time.
1: <laughs> and also just so um, people listening, because if they listen to this and then want us to see and hear some updates about the film um, between now and the next podcast that we do, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at FM pictures or at Poppy row, or at Staten C R. So people cool. can both watch this way out and then follow follow some of the details of behind the scenes of what's going on in the new one.
0: I love it. So, guys, if you want to watch that short film, which is fantastic, this way out, do have a look at the link below, uh, and you can watch that for free for the first three days. <laughs> um, right, so you can follow us at the Filmmakers Podcast. You can follow me at Giles Alderson. Uh, thank you very much, Stat, and thank you very much, Paul. Thanks, Giles. Thank you. It was amazing. Cool, guys. All right, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Giles. Thanks, Giles. Bye. Bye.